Welcome everybody for another episode of Time Out with Akan. Now this is Time Out with Akan. My name is Akan Khan and it's a podcast that is dedicated to sharing my views, thoughts and opinions about Christian life, Christian experience, doctrine and worldview. This is our first tinted video. So all of you who are seeing me on YouTube, this is the first time you get to see me. And those who have been our followers through the years have finally gotten to see the face behind the voice. That being said, please take the opportunity to subscribe and click the notification bell to get updates on the many, 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 many topics we're going to be talking about. And I'm very sure it will be worth your time and worth your while. Um, for those that want to have access to the past episodes that we've had on audio, the link will be there. And you could always have access to the podcast on all your favorite podcast channel, Time Out with Akan, that's the name. And it's always been there and will always be there for you. I'm based in Lagos, Nigeria, and a lot of things I will be saying will take into cognizance the contemporary trends in the body of Christ where I find myself. But that being said, the word of God is still relevant irrespective of boundaries or cultures. So whether you're in the States, in Europe, or in Africa, God's word is the same. Let's kick off with what I want to share with us today. So usually when you say confession to a lot of Christians in this day and age, what strikes their mind is not the prayer of confessing your sins. Rather, they think more of um, speaking in the affirmation either to men, to situations, or to God. And so when you hear the word confession, usually what they have in mind is what is being termed as confession of faith. So I'm going to take time out and share with us what I think is the Bible's teaching regarding the confession of faith and how that how we experience that teaching or that doctrine could actually not be the way that the Bible teaches us to, or at best, it may be far off from what the Bible teaches. So, the confession of a Christian is what we're going to be discussing today. I'm going to have to explain to us how the term confession of faith was used in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and in the next episode, I was zeroing on how that term is being used today. When you hear confession, what does that mean? In the Old Testament, the word could mean um, giving thanks to God, or giving um, praise to His name, and also has the connotation of um, asking for the forgiveness of sin. So, it was a normal thing when you would say, um, you give thanks to his name and the word giving thanks to his name would be you confess his name you confess his good work and so that's part of a meaning in the old testament of the word yada or as a word word confession in practical terms however the jews in the old testament and even till now understand the concept of the confession of faith to mean declaring God's word. And so a term known as Shema is the Jewish confession of faith. It's an integral part of their prayer life such that every Jew 
was required to learn and to recite the Shema. The Shema consisted of three texts of the Hebrew Old Testament, particularly the law. Deuteronomy chapter 6 from verse 4 to 9, Deuteronomy chapter 11 from verse 13 to 21, and Numbers chapter 15 verse 37 to 41. Now, these texts are very important, and so every Jew, uh, regardless of your age, particularly growing up, you will have to learn this text, and this text is very instructive. So the confession of faith in the Old Testament was the recitation of this text, and I'd like to read this text um, quickly so that we'll have a first-hand understanding and a feel of what was demanded regarding um, the Jewish confession of faith. Deuteronomy chapter 6 from verse 4 to 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 13 to 21 has a lot more to say. Listen to this from verse 13. So if you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you, I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rain, so that you may gather in your grain, new wine and olive oil. I will provide grass in the field and your cattle or for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied. Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and it will shut up the heavens, so that it will not rain, and the ground will not yield its produce, and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Now verse 18. Listen to verse 18. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and mind. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Stitch them to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. Then, lastly, Numbers chapter 15, 37 to 41, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corner of your garments with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, so you will remember all the commands of the Lord, that you may obey them and not prostitute yourself by chasing after the lust of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember to obey all my commands and will be consecrated to your God. I am the Lord your God 
who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Now, those three scriptures were the embodiment of the Jewish confession of faith. Now, there are certain elements I see in those texts. One of the things I see in those texts is that those texts focus a lot on the reading and the reading and obeying of the laws of God. And so you hear things like uh, read and obey God's law. And it also focuses a lot about speaking God's law, speaking the law by teaching them to your children, speaking the law by discussing them when you sleep, when you wake, when you're on the road. Simply put, Joshua 1.8 encapsulates the entire Shema in the way I think about it. Now, Joshua 1.8 says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. and Then you will be prosperous and successful. One of the characters of the Shema also was that even in their fashion, they were to create what was known as tassels, the end um, of their clothing, and they were to spin the blue robes on their tassels. And now, these tassels were supposed to be a, a reminder of God's law. In other words, every cloth they wear should remind them of the law. Wow. The law wasn't just something for them to learn the Shema, the confession of God's word, God's commandments, God's doctrines, wearing something for them to just learn and cram. It was something for them to leave and not just only live by it. They had to have it in visual perspective in their everyday life. It said, write it on your doorpost, bind them upon your arm and upon your foreheads. Literally, God's word was to feel and encapsulate their entire life. So the Jewish community understood the Shema as a lifestyle. It wasn't something they had to just confess because they wanted God's blessing. Yes, there was a blessing for following God's law, but beyond that, they understood that God needed them to be immersed as a lifestyle in the understanding, the consciousness, and the confession of his law. Very, very important. Let's say something. In the New Testament, however, how was confession taught or perceived? One would ask, was there a difference between the Old Testament teaching on the confession of faith and the New Testament? And I would say, right at the top of my head, without blinking, Definitely yes. And what was the difference? Or rather, who was the difference? The difference was Jesus. John chapter 5, 39 to 40, Jesus said something. Jesus rebuking the Pharisees said, You study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Now, Jesus was trying to explain to them that the law, the scriptures, that's the Old Testament, that's what they had, testified of Jesus. Now, focusing on the Old Testament then was to, would guarantee them eternal life. And that eternal life 
was found in Jesus. Because when Jesus walked on the earth, and I want to say something about Jesus. Jesus walked on the earth. He wasn't just an ordinary person. He was ordinary in the sense that he was human, but he wasn't ordinary because in a sense he was God. There's such a thing known as the incarnation. The incarnation was or is the manifestation of God in bodily form. And that happened 2,000 years ago, somewhere in Palestine. And God walked among men in the physical form. Now, I dare say that had never been taught to have happened before that time. And so you need to understand that when Jesus said to the Pharisees, you study the scriptures, you think you have eternal life, but these scriptures speak about me, yet you won't come to me to have eternal life. What he was trying to explain to them that what they would gain from the Shema is what they would gain from looking to him. Jesus would say, look up to me and you will have life. The Bible says there's no name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the son of God. He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Scripture teaches us. And so in the New Testament, we need to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus. So the Shema in the New Testament is not just acknowledging God's law or God's word, but now acknowledging the person of Jesus. And what do you mean acknowledging the person of Jesus? It's acknowledging him as Lord. Now we see um, Luke and chapter 12 verse 8. Jesus said something. Jesus said, I tell you, whosoever or whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. In other words, confessing Jesus, confessing him as Lord, became the object of confession in the New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, it was the law. In the New Testament, it was the person of Christ. Now, it doesn't mean that the law ceased to exist. It simply meant that the law pointed to Christ. We see that in the book of Galatians, where Paul was saying that the law was a tax master keeping us and pointing us to Christ. And so the law kept us and waited until Jesus showed up on the scene and the law would point every man to Christ. So Christ became the end of the law, as it were, he was the only one that fulfilled the law perfectly. And so by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, you receive the righteousness that comes from obeying the law. So Jesus explained clearly that confessing him was paramount to eternal life. So in the New Testament, our confession of faith was about the confession of the Lordship of Jesus. I like to say clearly that there are some Christians that believe that confessing the Lordship of Jesus only is important 
in order to get saved. The place in scripture that says, um, for if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him up from the dead, we shall be saved. For with the heart man believes in righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so we find out that contemporary Christians are so focused on confessing of Jesus in order to get saved that we do not realize that confessing the Lord Jesus is what we do even having been saved. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 to 16. Paul was talking to Timothy. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many weaknesses. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ, listen to this, and of Christ, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame unto the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Now listen to this. I love this text. Paul was talking to Timothy, said to him, fight the good fight of faith, take hold of eternal life, to which you have been called, when you made the good confession before many witnesses. So the good confession was, before many witnesses, was when he received eternal life, and which he was told to hold fast. Now, he didn't just say that, I like verse 13, because when I read it, I was like, wow, Jesus actually, that is in the Bible. In the sight of God who gives life to everything, and of Christ, who well testified before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession. Now, so many people do not realize that when we talk about the confession of faith, we are talking about not something we are supposed to do, but something Jesus actually did. And Paul was saying that Jesus made this good confession when he was talking to Pilate, so therefore do the same. Now, we ask ourselves, when did he make this confession? John chapter 18, from verse 36 to 37. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. Wow. Jesus made the good confession. He made the good confession before Pilate when he said, I am a king, and my kingdom is not of this world, and for this reason I have come so that he would testify to the truth. And everyone on the side of the truth listens to Jesus. Clearly, the confession of faith is not a gimmick, it's a command. It's not just a command we are asked to do, Jesus himself made that good confession. It's regarded as a good confession. There are many confessions we're going to see from the next episode that uh -uh, those are not good confession. But this confession of faith is a good confession. 
Hallelujah. Now, quickly, let me just round up with this. The confession of faith was so important that the early church died on that. In other words, the early church were martyred because they were required to recant their confession of faith. They were not required to stop um, their moral duty. They were not even required to stop worship of God. They were only required to recant their confession of faith on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Hebrews and chapter 4. Let's see some texts that showed how the early church had to struggle in order to hold fast to that confession that they had. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. Therefore, since we have the great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Hallelujah. Your faith in the Lord Jesus, it was something they professed. It was something they spoke about. I hear a lot of people say things like, I don't have to say I am a Christian. I don't have to say Jesus is Lord. My life will show me. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Your life is not sufficient. Jesus demanded confession. He demanded vocal attestation of his Lordship. So people who tend to denounce or to play down on the public confession of their faith in Jesus and say things like their life is sufficient, then that would mean that the scriptures is lying. If scriptures understood that your life was sufficient, it would tell you your life was sufficient. Yes, the Bible teaches us to live such a way in such a manner that is worthy of the confession, but that would mean that there has to be a confession. There has to be public declaration of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Holding fast, holding firmly is the admonishment that was given to the early church. And it wasn't without a reason. And what was the reason? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 to 34, shows us the reason. It said from verse 32, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. And at other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. If this was so important that the early church bled and died for their confession of the Lord Jesus. We have stories in church history about church matters that literally were burned to the stake and all they were asked was to recant the confession of the Lordship of Jesus. Then it behoves it to say that the confession of faith as been taught in scripture largely was about and is about the person, the character, and the Lordship of Christ. The confession of faith speaks to who Jesus is and how that he died for our sins. He was raised so that we can be declared right. 
And any man that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and understands that in himself he cannot fully obey the law. We cannot fully obey. No man has fully obeyed the law. And so we look to the only one who has and who can obey the law and to believe that he died for our sins. And if we believe that, Scripture says, he has saved us and has counted us sons of God. It is important that you understand that the confession of faith makes a difference between eternal life and eternal damnation. Next episode, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to share with us our contemporary use of the confession of faith and how that confession of faith that evolved through the centuries from the time of Jesus to our day and age, certain pitfalls and how we can live in the light of God's word. It is very important that we take the confession of Jesus Christ as paramount, unwavering, without fear of any man or any system, because it matters to Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ said, if you will not confess me openly, I will not confess you before the angels of God. God bless us. Have a great day. Thank you very much. I'm sure you had a great time today and you learned a lot of things. You can always engage us on our social media platform, Time Out with Akan, on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. 